0: We've been following on a theme called God's faithfulness, looking at the personalities specifically of individuals in the Old Testament. This morning we're going to look at Moses, and there's no personality any larger than Moses. Let me just give you a background before we read the text of where we are. Moses' mother had given birth, and because there was a price out for Hebrew children, she put the child up for adoption and by floating him in, a, in the river. He was adopted by Egyptian royalty. He grew up in the Egyptian court. He was well-educated. In his adulthood, early adulthood, he saw a taskmaster beating on a slave, which was his people, and he killed him. Thinking that he would get away with it, he buried him. And then sooner or later, he's on the run. It's known. goes to Midian out in the wilderness, defends some of the women there against abuse by men, and they go back and tell their father, Jethro, about it. It ends up that Moses marries one of Jethro's daughters. He's gone from royalty to being a sheepherder. He's laying low. He's a fugitive. You're not supposed to make yourself known, unrecognized, unreported. That's the context in which we catch the scripture this morning from the third chapter of Exodus, if you'd like to read along. Let's listen. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see what the bush is, why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called him out of the bush. Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, come no closer, remove your sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is no accident. Moses is called by name. It's a moment of decision. It's a moment of an accumulation of decision from his mother's decision to let him go, his decision to stand up to abuse, his decision to come together at Mount Horeb where he was just tending sheep. There are a couple of deciding moments in this scene. One is when he sees the burning bush, he's curious, doesn't walk away, doesn't run away. He wants to see why. It's his inquisition, his curiousness. And then he hears the word, Moses, take off your sandals, you're standing on holy ground. That's the second decision he made, not to run. I see people who say, I don't like this religious stuff, I'm out of here. Moses sticks around. He wants to hear more. He wanted to hear more about people, I think, and more about justice. It was not easy. Pretty soon, the Lord starts telling him what he's going to do. And beginning at that, Moses begins to back off. He backs away. He gives the excuses. What if those people don't listen to me? I don't speak well. Lord says, I'll give you a brother. The Lord has an answer for every one of the, his objections. Maybe they won't believe me, but in the end, Moses says, Lord, just send somebody else. But he doesn't. Moses, I am calling you. It was a defining moment. It's a yes or a no. It's the question that Moses had to raise why and how did I get here? Why am I here? Same thing happened to the Apostle Paul. We read about that scripture earlier, when he's on the Damascus Road and he's out killing Christians. And the Lord says, "Why are you persecuting me?" With Moses, what do I do with this? It's penetrating. It's perceptive. It's provocative. I can't let go of it. I can't leave it. I think we've all had moments, defining moments, in which we've made decisions. I mean, the question is, how did you get here where you are today? Was it an accident, a series of events, or maybe it was an accumulation of defining moments and decisions? I've been listening to some of our teens recently who are making college decisions. Places where they go to school, and sometimes that's hard. And they talk about one school, and I've enjoyed listening to some of you tell about the advantages and the disadvantages and, and the throes of making a decision. These are defining moments. Where you go to school may determine a lot about your life. It may determine where you'll do your career or where you'll work out your career. It may be where you find a spouse. Important decisions and decisions that aren't to be taken lightly with a lot of thought, a lot of investigation, and I think a lot of prayer. We've generally made decisions if we're married. We had a choice to make. I don't know how you made those choices, whether to be married or not, or who you married, but they are defining moments. Sometimes we make mid-course corrections. Not all marriages work out. But it's how do we make our decisions? Well, let me throw some ideas to you. I'm kind of a pragmatist. I make lists. Pros, cons. What am I thinking about? Prayer. And sometimes in that prayer, I'll simply ask, Lord, am I missing something? Is there something I don't want to deal with? And then I sleep on it. I also run it by friends. I like to know what's going on, but most of all, I need to look at what I'm not looking at sometimes, and then to sleep on it. And then the next day, I look at it and see: should I make a decision or not? Defining moments. We need to take them very, very seriously. The other part to this is, in your defining moments, be open to surprises. I must say that I have made thoroughly investigative decisions and ended up in the right places for the wrong reasons. You just don't know. Sometimes I've been in a place, it was a hard place, and I ask, why am I here, did I make a big mistake? And yet looking back on those decisions, I realize how much I've grown and what I learned in those times. So part of these defining moments is a sense of patience. We don't see it sometimes in the short time, in the short terms, But perhaps even in the com- uncomfortable places, we need to understand that perhaps we're standing on holy ground. There's something to be done and there's something to be learned. I've also learned over these many, many years to be open to change. We change. Our circumstances change. I've watched some of you go through these hard decisions. Shall we move closer to family as we get older? That's a hard decision. Those are defining moments because it changes much of your life and how you move, leave friends and how you go to new opportunities and We've had some do that very recently. It's a hard decision. My wife and I are looking at the same kind of thing. Long term, do we want to be closer to our children or do they want to be closer to us? That's another question. All marriages end at one time or another by death or divorce. Sometimes those are cast upon us. Some decisions we choose to make and some are made for us. And so, as long as we are living, we are making some form of mid-course corrections or dealing with something. Sometimes I hear people say, let go and just let God. I must say, I have a little difficulty with that because I don't think disengaging from the decisions is a good idea, but I do think listening is incredibly important. So, God, what is it you want me to do? I'm listening listening with my heart. The Lord said to Moses, simply, I will be with you. There are no guarantees in this walk of faith. There are no guarantees against cancer. There's no long guarantees that we will have a long life or a short life. There are no guarantees about our health. There are no guarantees about our financial futures. Things happen. There simply aren't any guarantees, except at one point we remember that whatever we're in, God is faithful and is with us there. At some point along the way, as with Moses, and he had a long life and he had a lot of events, is that we have to pass the baton. I've been in many services where we have passed the baton and We've listened and we've talked and we've given thanks for lives. The good news is that this is not about Moses' faithfulness. It's not about Israelites' faithfulness. It's about the journey and God's faithfulness. It's not about the Israelites' faithfulness. My goodness, we have to know that every time we turn around they're complaining. Why'd you bring us out here to die? Are we gonna die are we gonna starve to death? Then they begin to make golden calves and they start worshiping snakes. Complain, take us back home, we don't want to die out here. The Lord promises bread for the day. We even say it in our Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. The piece that is most comforting to me is that it's God who takes the initiative. It was not Moses. Moses wasn't looking for God when he was up there on the mountain. He was just trying to care of some cattle and sheep. And God finds him in the place, in a hiding place, and calls him by name. And God goes to the slaves and leads them to a new land. It's God who shows the compassion. and It's God who equips Moses. And it's God who gave the direction and the rules to live by. So how will we respond? We have choices. No one can ever take away our ability to make a decision our choice. Our circumstances may not be changeable, but how we respond to them is. And so when we come to the time that we have lived our journey and we pass the baton, we're in our final resting place. We use and we hear words like this, trusting in God, by God's grace, by God's direction, by God's forgiveness. These are our defining moments. And to this we simply say, thanks be to God.